1: Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the Book of Luke. To the who above. After 400 years of prophetic silence from God, God sent an angel to a woman named Elizabeth, sharing that she would have a son named John. Who would be the forerunner of the coming Messiah? Gabriel then went to a woman named Mary, delivering the news that she would give birth to the Messiah, and his name would be Jesus. The time came for both John and Jesus to be born. Jesus was brought to the temple to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. While there, Simeon and Anna both testified that this baby Jesus was to be the Savior of the world. Years have passed. Mary and Joseph took the family to the temple every year for the Feast of Passover. But on this particular year, while returning from the temple, they found that Jesus was missing. They returned to Jerusalem to find Jesus in the temple, having an amazing conversation with the leaders and scribes. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 2, verse 46.
0: Too often we tell young people they're the future of the church. But that's unbiblical. If they believe in the Lord, if they they put their trust in the Lord, then they are the church now. They're not the future of the church. They are the church. And they can speak into your life. I've heard some of the most profound things from my own kids or from some of the young people here. They'll come on to, Pastor Will, I've got a question. they got way better questions than you adults. Way better. Because they don't, they're not fearful. They're not fearful of sounding stupid or fearful of what someone might think of them because they're questioning something, you know? And they'll come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Will, I don't understand why this happened. Hardest questions I've ever answered have never been from an adult. Always been from a young person. This looks like a contradiction. Pastor Will, uh, this doesn't seem to match with this attribute of God. Be like, all right, man, i got my work cut out for me. But I love it because as I'm pouring into them, I know they're, if, if they can get a handle on it, they'll, they'll never leave them. They'll never leave them. You guys, you're all so old, you're still, you're stubborn now. You're setting your ways, you know? No, I'm serious. I'm the same way, you know? And, you know, people come to me and they want to shake my cup a little bit. I have to remind myself, say, Will, let your cup be shaken. Don't be so stubborn that you're unwilling to change, unwilling to learn. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 tells us about how we should treat the young people in our church and, and the, those who are older. It says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. You know, if you're a young person and you're here, don't look at the, the older folks as, as people who don't get it. Because let me tell you something, they get it way better than you think. And don't, so don't be like, listen, old man, you don't understand. No, no, they understand. They were your age once too. They've just learned the stupid lessons already. Don't rebuke an elder, but entreat him as a father. But then it says treat the younger men like brethren, not like second class citizens or underclassmen or anything like that. Treat them like brethren. The elder women, like mothers. The younger, like sisters with all purity. That's how we're supposed to treat each other in the church. And we need every age group, everyone. Now, the common form of teaching in Jesus's day meant that the rabbis, they would be answering Jesus's questions by asking him further questions. You know, so if they were teaching on a topic and Jesus said, you know, now I know you guys say this and this and this, but you know, Moses in the law said this, this, and this. And they would answer him with another question. They would say, well, we understand that, but what about this, this, and this? And so, you know, no one was spoon-fed answers back in that day. Jesus' questions, you know, would be responded to with questions that he would have to answer. So if you wanted to sit with these people, you were required to think. You were required to reason. And Jesus, his reasoning really impressed them. Look at verse 47. And they, they they come upon this scenario where Jesus is asking questions and then he's giving answers and he, you know, and they're asking him questions and he's, there's all this dialogue going on and mom and dad are watching this and he's, they're watching. It says, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. The word they're astonished, it means to be so surprised that you almost fail to comprehend what just happened. You're like, how old, you know, how old is this kid? You know? This kid, what you know, you, you, for, you know, for a moment, you re- don't realize who you're talking to. They were just so shocked at his, it says, his understanding um, and his answers. Now, the phrase there, astonished, is in the imperfect tense, which means they were continually amazed at Jesus. And, and the reason is, is because of his understanding. The word comes from a, a word that means to compare and combine things. As they would throw their questions back at Jesus, he He would compare and combine things from the scripture and whatever in giving his answers or asking further questions. And and so his reasoning skills blew them away. His ability to comprehend, his insight into the scriptures and into truth, into logic, it blew them away. And so his replies to their questions blew them away. The reason their search took three days is because no one would expect to find a 12-year-old here. They'd probably expect to find him into mischief or something like that. So when Mary and Joseph, they finally find Jesus and they see the scenario that is going on here as he's conversing with the most intelligent, most educated, most religious people in their culture, they are shocked. It says in verse 48, and when they saw him, they were amazed. The word means to be so shocked that you become overwhelmed and you can't move. The headlights type of thing where you just can't, you can't do anything. You're so shocked by what's going on. The sight froze them. They'd never been in such intellectual company. I promise you, nobody from Nazareth had ever been in such intellectual company. What was their son doing here? And how were they going to extract him? Well, eventually, mom's indignation over being not knowing where a kid was for three days uh, won out over, uh, you know, their out of the place awkwardness, and so she marched right up to him, and she says, "Son." Why have you thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. The word they're sorrowing means to experience great distress or anxiety, you think? You know, they were experiencing great distress or anxiety. Now, Mary accuses Jesus of causing that anxiety, but Jesus certainly didn't do so on purpose. And so he explains his actions by asking them a question. He's learning very well from the rabbis. Why didn't you deal this way with us? Well, mom, let me ask you a question. No, um... And I have to admit, this may border on blasphemy, but if you just read this at face value, Jesus comes off a little bit like a punk here. He's not, though. The language doesn't accurately describe what's going on here. I don't believe he was disrespectful at all. Um, In fact, he always spoke to his mother in a respectful way. But he is asking them an honest question. And so he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? So his first response, and by the way, these are the first recorded words of Jesus, if you don't count the Old Testament words, but the first recorded words of Jesus in his earthly ministry in in the Scripture, which therefore they are quite important. And his first response is, is to their, why were you... Why were you anxious? How is it that you were, you had to look for me? The word sought me there, it means we're searching. How is it that it took so long for you to find me, basically? You know, and, and then he explains, knew you not that I must be about my father's business. It was clear where he should have been, is, is what he's saying. Jesus' location should have been a no-brainer. He's a son of the law now. He had a biblical responsibility to be at the place chosen by God during this feast. And that's exactly where he was. He had a biblical responsibility to be where he was. He was where he was supposed to be. Now, his second response explains a change that occurred. Now that he's a son of the law, he says, "King James says, "Wist ye not,' which just means, you know, did you not know?" But it's interesting. It's in a very rare tense. It's in something called the pluperfect tense. We don't use it in the English language, but it, it 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 means a completed action in the past that results in ongoing uh, things in the past. So, you know, perfect tense is where, you know, like you've finished a task and you never have to finish it again so the results are ongoing into the future. But this refers to an event that happened in the past that changed everything moving forward up to this point. Well, what happened? Well, when Jesus turned 12, his responsibility changed from his earthly father to his heavenly father. In fact, they still say things like that in the bar mitzvah today. His responsibility changed from his earthly father to his heavenly father. And so he's asking mom, he says, didn't you realize what happened when I turned 12? He says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, Jesus isn't being disrespectful to Joseph. This was any child who was returned to this age at this point in time. They now had a responsibility before God and were accountable before God to obey his word. So, Jesus says, you know, something happened already. I already turned 12. We already went through my, that whole ceremony in Nazareth where I became a son of the law. I have a responsibility to be about my father's business. And for Jesus, more than anybody else, he certainly had a responsibility to be about, literally in the Greek it means to be about the things of my father. You know, he had to do the father's will. And Mary and Joseph knew who Jesus was. Turning 12 should have signaled a change in his role and their role. And his parents should have recognized that change for he was no ordinary young man. This was the son of God. And he was now stepping into this role of as a man beginning to do what his father, the things that his father wanted him to do. At some point, Joseph and Mary lost sight of that. And they saw him only as their child. And so even though he asks these questions and they make perfect sense to us, they don't get it. For it says in verse 50, and they understood not the saying which Jesus spoke unto him. Now, God had told Mary through the angel Gabriel who her son would be. Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. You know, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. It says, and he shall be great and he shall be called, not the son of Joseph, but the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This is not a normal kid. You know, this is a child who knew exactly who he was, knew exactly what his mission was from the moment he came into the world. That's the only way he could have the reasoning skills that he had. It's the only way he could understand the scriptures like he did. He wrote them. Now, God had told Barry that, but at some point that had kind of lapsed. Now, this is why it's so important to know God's word. Because if I don't know what it says, how can I cling to its promises? How can I know what to do in a given situation? You know, we look at Mary and Joseph, we think, how could you forget with all the experiences you had? You had an angel visit you. You had, you know, you had an angel. God spoke to you in a dream, Joseph. You had Simeon and Anna, and you have John the Baptist and all the events surrounding them. But you know what happens over time when God's promises seem to tarry? We tend to just kind of go about our day. We kind of lose sight of all those things. Now, I remember there was a time... I made a commitment to the Lord. And uh, the keeping the commitment had become hard. And so I had lapsed in keeping that commitment over time. And I was at a conference and uh, I was really looking to hear from the Lord. And the, the messages I was hearing, intellectually, I was going, good stuff, good stuff. But I could tell my heart was hard. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, I do not want to spend the entire conference with a hard heart not receiving from the Lord. And so I got alone with the Lord and I said, Lord, what's going on? Well, an hour later... The Lord brought to my mind as I'm seeking him. That's how hard my heart was. I couldn't hear his voice. An hour later, the Lord brought to my mind. He goes, Will, you made a commitment to me about this and you're not keeping it. Well, what's funny is, is you would think normally at that point in time that being the rational human being, I would go, oh, let me get this right with God. No, I spent an hour to argue with him about why I wasn't doing it. That's how my heart got hard in the first place. And see, that can happen over time. And you, you don't hear the voice of the Lord anymore. You know, many Christians today make decisions based on the feelings or the emotions they've experienced in church. And and I, I hope, you know, you've sensed the Lord's presence here and hear his voice speak to you. That might feel good in the moment and it might keep you sympathetic toward God for a bit, but they don't assist you after that experience and the feelings of it have worn off. And trying to conjure it back up again won't assist you when you face a difficult decision. The only thing that will assist you is knowing this and hiding it in your heart. So that's why we got to be in that daily, you know? So what does Jesus do at this point? I mean, clearly he did nothing wrong. The fault of the situation lies with Joseph and Mary for being spiritually out of touch, but they don't get it. So what does Jesus do? Well, guess what Jesus does? He does exactly what the scriptures command. He honors his father and mother. Look at verse 51. And he went down with them. He didn't stay for the remainder of the feast. He went down with them. And he came to Nazareth, and he was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. You might be saying, wait a second, Nazareth is north of Jerusalem. Why does it say they're going down? Well, the Jews, even to this day, they believe anytime you leave Jerusalem, you're going down. Because that was the pinnacle. That's where the Lord's presence was, there in the temple. And so you're always going down whichever direction you went. Jesus' plan was to stay for the full duration of the feast, asking questions, listening to the religious leaders, being about his father's business. But God's command took precedence. And so he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and he remained subject unto his parents. The word their subject means to subordinate oneself. He subordinated himself to them, even though he's a son of the law, because they didn't get it. He subordinated himself to them because that's what the scripture said, to honor your father and your mother. As all this is going on, Mary's going, hmm, I think I'm missing something. <laughs> and it says she store all these sayings in her heart. She kept them. The word there means to store up as treasure. She may not have understood, but she recognized some of this was on her somehow. And so she stored that truth away as a treasure, hoping that she'd understand better in the future. Listen, I don't understand all the Bible yet. Every time I read this thing, I learn something. There will be many things in God's word you won't understand. And that's okay. Read them anyway. Store them in your heart. Because as you grow in the Lord, I guarantee you this, you'll understand more of his word. And those things that were confusing will become clearer over time. Now, that can't happen if you refuse to read your Bible because you don't understand some of it. I know it can be discouraging at times. Think about me. I have to teach the book of Numbers on Sunday nights. There's numerous things I don't understand when I read that thing. I've learned that as I store it in my heart and I I work at it, I get clearer understanding as I grow. And so keep reading it. Don't be discouraged because there are things you don't understand when you read. If Jesus, the king of the universe, obeyed this command from from God to honor your father and mother, what's your excuse for not honoring your parents as a young person? You say, well, my parents don't understand. Yeah, well, they didn't either. And the son of God made himself subject to his parents. So what's your excuse? You know, Ephesians chapter six, let's turn there real quick. This is important. This is verses, moms and dads make every child memorize. There's a part of it that we forget, part of it that's so important. It says in six verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It is the standard that God has set up in his word, okay? But here's the beautiful blessing to the child who's hearing this. Honor your father and mother, which is a quote from the Old Testament which is the first commandment with promise. Think about that for just a moment because there is four commandments prior to the commandment to honor thy father and mother of the 10, to not have any other gods before him, to not make a graven image, to not take his name in vain, to keep the Sabbath. And yet this is the first commandment that comes with promise. Now you would think there'd be some kind of blessing or promise from not having idols. And yet the Lord says, this is the first one that has a promise that comes with it. And what is it? that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Listen, if you're living at home and your parents aren't asking you to directly disobey scripture, you need to do what they say. It's the right thing, whether you agree with their decision or not. You say, well, how do I do that when you know, I find myself at odds with my parents often? You know, it's interesting. The word honor means to value. It means to value. I find frequently with young people I know in my own life that I didn't value my mom and dad. I didn't value their opinion. I didn't value their thoughts. I didn't value what they said. I only saw things through my lens, you know, and I thought you all are old and crazy and you don't get it and, you know, you don't understand and just let me do my thing. I got this. But that is the exact opposite of honor. So before you even butt heads with them, you've already got a wrong mindset. To honor means to value. And that's where, like I said, most young people struggle. They don't truly value their parents and their thoughts on stuff. And numerous parts of the scripture calls that person a fool. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20, it says exactly that. 1520, it says this. It says A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. It's the exact opposite of honoring, to value. You know, to despise means you don't care what they think. You don't value what they think at all. And this attitude we read in our scripture reading, it comes with a curse. Not a very nice one either. It says in Proverbs thirty seventeen, the eye that mocks at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. That's a promise you should put on your fridge. Yeah, right beside my God to supply all my needs to his riches and glory. If you disobey mom and dad, birds are going to eat your eyes. (laughs) And yet, I see it time and time again. He's telling me, say, listen, you're thinking short term, right? How how long are you going to be here? You're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. How long are you going to be here? Just trust the Lord. Go along with it. He's got your back. If your parents are wrong, they're off. Don't worry. He'll take care of you. Just, Just honor him. And I think short term. And and then I look at them when they're 25, 26, and their lives are a wreck. Absolute wreck. It's just as if the ravens had plucked their eyes out and the you know and the eagles were eaten them. They've become carrion fodder, you know. They've become roadkill. Their lives have been greatly derailed because they haven't honored this command of God that comes with a blessing. Now, conversely. The person who honors their parents can stand on a special promise that the Lord says it will go well with you and you'll have a good long life. Now, don't you want that kind of life? Like, don't you want life to go well for you? I don't know about you. I want want to wake up and things go well for me. Don't you want that? You know, so this key for Jesus here, you know, he did what God said. That's the key to a blessed life is doing what God says even when you don't feel like it. You know, really, essentially, if we want to describe faith, I mean, that's what faith is, is when we do something because we trust God, whether we feel like it or not. You know, faith isn't going, I believe, you know. Faith is when I don't necessarily believe, but I choose to believe. I don't necessarily feel like believing, but I choose to trust God. I choose to do what he says. I choose to obey him, you know. So if you want life to go well with you, if you're still a young person here, then start honoring your folks. I promise you. The principle works. For it says here in verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Even though Jesus' preference was to act as a son of the law from this point on, God blessed his life because he decided to subordinate himself to his parents. You know, too often young people refuse to honor their parents because they think it will hold them back. But the truth is, God is bigger than your parents. He's bigger than any other obstacle to his blessings in your life. And so if you do things his way, you can't help but be blessed. And that works across the board, young, old. If we honor his word and we obey his word, we will be blessed. So trust the Lord and obey his word in this area of your life and every other area. Because just as Jesus did you'll increase. It says he increased, he grew in wisdom and stature. He had had the ability to make wise decisions. He physically matured, so it went well with him physically as well. And he increased in favor with God and with man. Blessing rested on his life with other people and with his heavenly father, even though Jesus wasn't where he wanted to be. Even though he wasn't sitting at the feet of the religious teachers interacting with them but he was blessed all because of his obedience to God's clear command. That's the key to a blessed life. So let's walk it out. Don't you want that kind of blessing in your life? Well, let's be people who do what the Lord says. Amen? Listen, before we close and the worship team comes up, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, the Lord's first command is this, repent. Say, repent. That sounds like a harsh word. It, It simply means to change your mind, to change your mind. You know, you, you think you're okay going the direction you're going. To repent means to say, Lord, I'm not okay going this way. My thoughts on life, my ideas and how it should be lived, not okay. I want to start going your way. I want to honor you. And the first way you do that is God has commanded all men everywhere to believe in his son. And so you turn from trusting in yourself, your ideas, and you turn toward the Lord. And so as we sing, I want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord today, to repent. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us and that you give us this example from your own life, Lord, of a time where things didn't go the way you wanted them to go because of what your folks wanted to do. And Lord, yet you trusted your father and you did things your father's way. And you went and you subjected yourself to them, honoring them. Lord, we want blessing in our lives too as we honor and obey the commands of your word. And so we choose today, Lord, to do that. Maybe there's something in our hearts right now or in our lives where we've been resisting you or not doing what we said we would do or not doing what you tell us to do. Lord, we choose to repent and we choose to say, Lord, we're gonna obey you in that. We don't wanna harden our hearts anymore. We want to obey you and follow you, knowing, Lord, as we do so, even if it seems to go against everything in our minds, that you'll bless us for doing so. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today who might not know you, Show them how much you love them, Lord, that your way is best, that our way is not the right way. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Lord, show us, Lord, you're the only way, the way, truth, and the life, and that by coming to Jesus, we can have that relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Submitting to God's word in every circumstance and scenario in life is always worth it. God desires to bless us as we follow his word. His Word is not a burden for us to carry, but a means to enjoy life to the fullest. Even in hardships and difficulties, His Word will lead us and guide us into all truth. He gives us what we need, but we must be willing to yield to Him. We must be willing to give up our own ways of fixing things and yield to His perfect way. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at four zero seven five two three zero eight zero zero during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.